0: What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Run Your Mouth Podcast. We've got exciting guests tonight. We've got Jared, Luke, and Typo from the Biting the Bullet Podcast. Welcome everybody.
1: What's up, man? What's going on, dude? How's it
0: going? It is uh it is good to have you here. The reason I reached out was um I had a really good plan for when the Bugaloo went down. I was like, I'm all set. I got this friend, his name is Eric. He's the Rambo of Iraq. He's got 72 confirmed kills. If things go to shit, I'm good. But then I realized I can't trust this guy because he picked Harrington over me for survival. Now, here's why that was an epic here was that now I don't even trust him. Like at first I thought I'm safe with this guy, Eric. Here's how I know he fucked up. I was in Philly with Harrington, right? And Harrington decided he was gonna wander into the evening and do DMT. Um now I don't know. Are you guys have you guys done DMT? Is that a drug you guys are into at all?
2: No, I haven't
1: yet. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a lot of Joe Rogan. Does that count? I don't know.
0: Yeah, you guys, uh, hallucinogenics people at all, like mushrooms, ecstasy, LSD.
2: Uh, yeah, we, we, we dabbled a couple of us. <laughs> Allegedly. All
0: right. And, uh, no war memories or accidentally killing each other. So it worked out. Okay. So,
2: <laughs> we, we all it, so that works. Yeah. yeah.
0: So Harrington tells me he's going out to do DMT, right? And then he just texts me an address. I was like, I'll pick you up in the morning. Let me know how I get in touch with you. He just texts me an address. And I'm like, I don't know what this address is. I was like, for all I know, it's going to be a park bench. And he's just going to, like, have been out there all night. Like, dudes, I've been waiting for you, you know? But then here's what's great. He gave me the wrong fucking address. It's in <laughs> Philly. I'm not from Philly. He gave me the wrong address. We had to track down another person for the right address. We gave him to 12, or we were just going to leave him. We knocked on the door, and it was basically a crack in. and he was just asleep on the floor. And we're like, Harrington, we're leaving. And he put on his pants, stopped fucking some dude, and came with us. But the point what? is... No, he wasn't really fucking a dude. The point is, if anyone would pick Harrington over me for survival, they're out. And then people were hitting me up, and they're like, the biting the bullet guys, they're fucking prepping for the bugaloo. These are three Marines. They serve together. They hunkered down. This is how much prepping they're doing. They're not even talking to women. They're getting ready for a women lifestyle and hunkering down just three dudes prepping. And I was like, that's who I got to talk to. I feel like these guys might help me survive uh, so can you tell me a little bit about your Marine background and why I should be joining your squad? <laughs> you want to take that? Yeah, yeah, I'll,
1: I'll, I'll go first. Uh, <laughs> so I joined in 2011. I was, uh, 0861 fire support man. So I, I called in artillery strikes and eventually did, uh, like targeting for aircraft and shit like that. Uh, went to Afghanistan in 2014.
0: Can I ask you a quick question from- on that? In calling in uh, airstrikes, do you think you have more confirmed kills than Eric?
1: No, I got told no on like every mission. I never got a single one passed through. Yeah, it was like 2014, so it was the drawdown in Afghanistan. So it was uh, we were like not allowed to do a lot of stuff.
0: So even though wh- we could, what does that conversation look like? You're on one end, like, dude, you should seriously bomb these people. And they're like, yeah, nah, I mean, and you're like, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm I mean, telling you, it would be fucking awesome. You should really, really bomb these people. No, sir. Like, why? Why were you trying that's
1: to call and? Really in- Accurate description of what I did in Afghanistan, right there. That, <laughs> that, that, that You, I, you fucking nailed it, bud.
0: <laughs> there you go. So you don't have a ton of combat or like gun experience, but you're good with maps
1: no no that's the thing is uh i get embedded with uh, a line infantry platoon so i still conducted the patrols with them. i took all the contact they did everything like that so i i don't like uh like i don't like try to fuck. i'm not like somebody that went through i'm definitely not the uh the ramble of iraq i'll tell you that fucking much <laughs> right now but you know I, I i have a flabby body and i can still run three miles so i consider that a superpower of some
2: sort <laughs>
0: All right. Not bad. And the fact that you're not the Rambo of Iraq, if anything, is proving that you're probably more emotionally stable and you can pick better survival partners for when the bugle goes down. So I'm giving you the stamp of approval. And now let's move on to you, Luke. What What is your military background?
2: All right. I joined in uh, 2012. I was a field radio operator. So I'm the comms guy. I never went to uh, Iraq or Afghanistan, but I can drink a shit ton from Japan. And, uh, yeah, that, that's basically my Marine Corps experience, and I'm really good at training people because I sent a lot of people to Iraq.
0: <laughs> so, in other words, you got to hang out in Japan, drink sake, and bring Asian broads and yell at people. Like, were you a drill sergeant? No, no,
2: no. no not a I, I got out as a I got out as a sergeant, but I was just a radio operator. I didn't I didn't do uh, we call them B billets, but it's like a follow on MOS, basically in the Marine Corps. Um, we. So I didn't go and become a drill sergeant or anything like that, but I just trained up. Like I ended up at Jared's unit and they were going on deployments and that's in 29 Palms, California. They were sending out people on deployments and uh, I was training all the radio operators to actually go and conduct missions there.
0: What is the uh, I had a, I had a teacher in high school who was a sniper in the military, but he was in the military when that basically meant you collected a paycheck and he said he sat on a couch and watched MTV. That was his entire military experience. <laughs> I would think getting, to, like, where's the best places to get sent? I would think Japan or, like, an outpost in Hawaii. Like, where are, like, the great places where you're like, oh, I'm fucking freeloading. This is this is a good time.
1: Australia. Australia, Australia is the best fucking place in the entire goddamn world to be a U.S. Marine. Yeah. And every, there is, the I saw some of the dorkiest, scrawniest, fucking ugly motherfuckers come back. With nothing but stories about banging fucking Australian well,
0: shit. I can I can speak to that because I nearly never get laid, but my percent hit rate with Australian tourists is like unbelievable. And like yeah. And like I go from I go from banging like fours to like nines. There's something about those Australians yeah. that are either attracted to ugly dudes or just want some dick immediately, you know? Like yeah. <laughs> So
1: drink blues on that shit, dude, and you're ready to fucking go, man. You just so, give them all fake names,
0: just in case. There you go. So, Australia is the best place because you can get laid a ton, and uh, I, I, there's not much combat going on in Australia.
2: No, that's the best part.
0: Yeah, so you just get the to fucking combat, chill.
2: Yeah, the only combat in Australia is fighting the dudes there. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: Now, I remember Kurt Metzger had the best joke where he was talking about how, uh, I, I'm going to butcher his joke, but he was saying like, Walmart was guaranteeing like people jobs if they were out of the military. And he's like, all right, I guess that's nice of Walmart. But if you watch those commercials, I really thought I was going to be doing something cool, you know? And <laughs> of all those commercials that I saw as a kid, the one that really struck me, I'm a, i am I love skiing. That's my jam. I fucking love skiing. And I remember they had one with like these dudes. They must've been like Germany or like the Swiss Alps or something. It was just the commercial where they were skiing and they had the guns on their back. And it was like, join the, army mountaineering or whatever and th- that to me if like if you were joining the military that just seemed awesome cuz i guess he got to like hike and ski does that even exist i don't know if that was just the propaganda commercial that spoke to me most you yeah. know fucking
1: baby dude i mean my personal favorite was the uh the us marine that walked uh, not the us marine the knight that walks like comes into the, this castle and shit and he starts fighting a fucking dragon and then he stabs and slays the dragon and then right after he kills the dragon is like broadsword turns into a fucking Marine Corps Saber and is like he turns into a US Marine and blues and shit and it goes like the few the proud. That was like I was like oh six. Yeah. Wait, that was that like oh was- six, oh seven. There's dragons yeah, out there. Fucking- <laughs> yeah, dude. That's why, uh, there's a common phrase in the Marine Corps where you go, "Hey, man, go play that fucking dragon." That's where
0: that comes from. That's like it's like the aliens. They're not they're not telling us about that shit. Yeah, Harrington, you had something on that, dude. That commercial played every weekend during fall yes. from like 2002 to 2008. Like, I you've never made so many yes. men in my high school class joined the Marines. Really it's crazy. I never saw it. Can you pull it up? I'd be curious if you might be yeah. able to pull it up. I gotta say the the piece of military. Uh, Propaganda that spoke to me the most, and it's not direct propaganda, but um, when I was failing out of college, that was when I was like most depressed in my life, and I somehow found Band of Brothers, and dude, Band of Brothers, in terms of, I would say, the two greatest TV shows of all time, they're just different genres, and maybe I have a different feeling because I'm not as, uh, uh, you know, I, I understand war now and just how terrible it is and how much they lie about that bullshit, but I would say Breaking Bad is the greatest TV show of all time, Band of Brothers is also it's just a different genre. It's like watching a war movie, you know. Um, but I remember watching that show when I was failing out of college. And I had that thought in my head like, yeah, USA, I'm going to defend my country. I'm going to join the army. I mean, I didn't because I'm a pussy. But I'm just saying at least that thought got into my head. What to you guys like growing up was like the, be- the best piece of military propaganda that kind of spoke to you?
1: Generation Kill. Generation Kill. Generation Kill made me want to be. Even though that that show is like being more anti-war, especially at the fucking end. God damn it, I was like, I want it all. Yeah. I don't Generation remember. Kill.
0: What was uh, Generation was Kill?
1: Uh first it was uh, it's uh, about first Marine Recon and their initial invasion of Iraq. It's actually a show that I tell a lot of people, I'm like, Do you wanna know what it was kind of like to be an 03, like 02 fucking Marine invading Iraq? Like, there it is. It's it's
2: yeah, and it's it, it's pretty brutal. What was it? It was it was HBO or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so It was like super series. well done, and it was like, it was, it was just way too it was it was way too true for when it came out, man. Like it was like super realistic compared to like what was actually going on during the time. So Generation Kill is a big one, and then I was I was that weird kid that would like watch uh mash and that was my that was my fucking thing dude it was like super like depressing and it wasn't like a whole lot of combat but I fucking loved mash and I was like dude they're just like good people and they're defending their country and like <laughs> you guys now, vaccinated how... by fucking mash yeah
0: dude <laughs> Jesus Christ dude. <laughs> how old are you guys uh I'm twenty six okay twenty six as well I'm 25. Now you must have had a really shitty childhood if you were watching Mash and you're 26 years old. I was fucking poor as
2: dirt, man. I, that was the that was like one of three TV channels I had.
0: I mean, that's like a different level of that's like Trailer Park, where like they the Trailer Park itself is running its TV service that you're watching Mash.
2: <laughs> no, nah, man, it wasn't Trailer Park. It was the fucking uh, ghetto ass uh, apartments that I lived in that. Basically the only people that lived there were single mothers and crackheads.
0: <laughs> uh, that's my market, dude. I don't know what you're complaining about. I wouldn't have left that. That's that's Rob Bernstein Heaven right there. <laughs> All right. Let me ask you this. So, so Generation Kill, it like it, it seemed that the missions were like kind of really heroic and fun in a violent way that when you were younger it was appealing. Was that that's yeah. the Yeah. I remember I was once drinking in a bar and this guy turned to me and he was like hammered to the point that you were getting like the really honest version of him and he, he was there with his wife um, and firstly he won me over he bought me a drink gave me a slice of pizza and he goes uh, <laughs> that's all it takes um, and he goes I'm a vet and I was like cool man how many tours have you done he goes dude he's like I, he's like tours he's like I I, I don't know maybe he did like two in Afghanistan but he's like I did the real shit like I was in Fallujah Fertuja, whatever I, I don't know <laughs> whatever the, one of those two things but he goes he's like he's like was like trying to get away from his wife to be like no like you don't understand I was in on the action and there are some fucking sickos who like they like it man like they live for the yeah. thrill of war even Eric who's the Rambo of Iraq and uh, you know you gotta be careful around him he has said that uh, th- there's a focus that comes with uh, missions and being on war that can't be replicated. And while like he doesn't stand by the army, he's become libertarian. It's definitely you get back to normal life and it's it, nothing's ever going to be what that thrill was.
1: Yeah, that's it's something that uh, we've talked about, I think, probably two or three times on our show. Um, where we brought up that point where like it kind of answers the questions on why some, especially people in the military and active duty are like, kind of feel like you look at them, they look like they're ready to go. It's cause we're fucking addicting. Like that little, like that shit lasts like 20 minutes out of the fucking day. And at least it was for me. And that like 20 minutes was like the biggest rush I've ever felt in my fucking life. Yeah. Even looking at it now and like going against them the way I do now, it's still like an experience is an experience and like, just the the focus, the adrenaline spike, the fucking like you feel everything, the hypersensitivity,
2: everything, all of it. It's like a fucking drug.
0: Yeah, and yeah, then also, always, oh no, no, go for it.
2: Uh, I was just gonna say uh, we always joke with Jared and said his uh, sex drive hasn't come back from war yet, even though he did.
0: <laughs> I get that. I can see. <laughs> uh, I <feel> <laughs> and then I, the other thing that I've read when it comes to war is um. I guess the real way that they kind of indoctrinate you is it's not so much defensive country as much as it's kind of being with your brother in arms. And so you're responsible for your troop. And so, you, you know, you always kind of feel like you're defending yourself and your troop. And that's kind of uh, that's how everyone in every single army kind of uh, f- feels comfortable killing. And also, even when you're there, it's a rush because it, it's survival and it's all about you and the people you kind of care and love about.
2: Right. It's It's, it's easy to justify. Um, going and killing people that don't really look a lot like you uh, when they just killed one of your buddies like a couple weeks ago, you know what I mean? And you, you don't really think about it as much anymore. It just becomes like a, all right, this is what we're going to do. Like, I don't even care about these people. So I really don't give a shit about fucking killing them. And your entire time in the the military, like, I I mean, I never deployed, but I, I had the same feeling my entire, almost my entire Marine Corps career until the end where I was just like, I was trying to get on deployments constantly because I was like, I want to go over there and fight. Not so much because for the country, it was more want some of the like, action.
0: Them,
2: yeah. For the action. And then I saw all my buddies coming back, like fucked up and this, that, or the other. And I was like, I can fucking do that. And these people don't have to go and they have families and shit. And I was just a single dude that was like, I don't have a fucking family. Like I have my, my parents, but I, Let me like, at I them. signed up. For
0: Put, me in, yeah. Put me in coach. Put me in.
2: exactly like tap tap me in like i'm ready to go so they they do a really good job of like we we say it's brainwashing like they brainwash you to not give a shit and you kind of just get this numb feeling after like being in the military that you're just like yeah i can do i can do all this shit because fuck it like it can't be worse than what i'm doing now they make it feel like a reward now yeah it's a reward the deployment cycles are
1: so much lower in tempo that like it on all, it's all, like only the good dudes go out only the guys that actually know their shit are gonna fucking deploy like this is how like my unit is like you better be the best like that's how you're gonna get on a fucking infantry unit and that's how you're gonna go fucking chop out with them and like they almost like and then there's just the general culture too like they always like they always say you know this is a fucking gun club so you know it's it a lot of guys that they go out there and they come back and they have that new little fucking ribbon on their fucking chest that says they got shot at and get that chest they candy. fucking you know call get to call everybody else a bitch. So you know what's better in a man's life than being able to look at a bunch of other men, especially in like 18, 19, 20 love calling dudes a bitch. Yeah being able to look at another dude and be like, yeah, you're a bitch. Like get out of my like get on my, <laughs> get on my face you fucking boot. Like feeling at like 20 years old, 21 years old, you're like, yeah.
0: Right. Well and every- then they may do a four I think part of that is every uh, every social group kind of has its hierarchy and uh, status is important to us. And you guys are living the most extreme version of it where, like, in every other, every other club has, it's like you can have your video game club and you got your guy who's best at the video games and he gets to look down at everyone else and he gets to feel superior and you guys are living the most authentic version of it where it's like, no, you're fucking pussy. I got shot like, you know, and it's like yeah. very tangibly true. Okay. So as we go down the line here, I am trying to find people that I can really survive the bug with. And, uh, Type of what I'm hearing from your two friends is that they were mostly just on radio, so I'm not 100% impressed yet. (laughs) So I'm hoping that you can rally here and tell me that you were like a sniper, that uh, maybe you were holding a big machine gun. Um, Can can you rally the cause here? Because I might be going back and pleading my case to Eric. Get a pipe out. All
3: right. Well, uh, I was in the Marine Corps 2012 to 2017. And I was an Intel analyst for the Marine Corps.
0: And clearly the manliest voice of the bunch. So I'm being I'm being sold here, your Typo. You're really you're coming through and you're rallying for for your crew over here. Now, can I just tell you, you would have the greatest nickname ever if um you were like writing down coordinates for who to bomb and you got it wrong and that's why your name was typo. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: no, The story of why his name is- his nickname is typo is way better than that, actually.
0: Okay.
3: All right, my name's Tyler. It's typically spelled T Y L E R, right? Well, my name is T Y L O R, and it was because the doctor misspelled my name. <laughs> so oh,
2: his okay. name's literally a typo. <laughs> <laughs> Like we, we found that out in the Marine Corps, and one of our other one of our roommates at the one of my roommates at the time was like, Your name's a typo, and it just stuck from then on. So yeah, he is an Intel analyst and his name is typo. And that's, like, the worst, like, it just the two
3: things that didn't make sense together. Yeah, I I had a pretty skate in the Marine Corps, so, like, my life wasn't rough. I didn't do anything crazy. Like, he's the only one that got in trouble. I was in the office all the time.
0: (laughs) What do you get in trouble for?
3: Uh,
0: Protecting his junior
3: Marine. uh, Because my, (laughs) so I had this guy that got a DUI, and I, we didn't know if he was actually going to get convicted or not. So we waited till his court date before we told the Marine Corps. And I, I knew about it for like a month and a half. So then when I told them that I knew about it for a month and a half, they're like, Oh, you're keeping shit away from your Marines and there are higher ups. So then they made me go down a rank.
0: <laughs> oh, that sucks. Does that like mean yeah. less pay or just, you know, you get curfew yeah. less pay. Yeah, it, that sucks.
2: Less, less pay. And then you like going, it's like that whole, you get to call other dudes, bitches. Like you go back to the bitch that you were before.
0: Right, you end so up cleaning like, <laughs> like in all those movies. You end up cleaning the kitchen, kind of thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. basically. But right. uh, you know, the best thing about the the boogaloo is is it, it's not so much that it, it's about survival, right? So if you want to, if you want a team to survive, we were great at skating in the Marine Corps. staying <laughs> okay. below the radar, Bye. doing our shit, yeah. surviving. I didn't. Even, then, I didn't
1: even get my Humvee license until like. After I got back from Afghanistan, that's and, when those fuckers got me on that shit.
2: And everybody gets Humvee license in the Marine Corps. But, you know, you got to stay below the radar, survive, but be the best at what you do. And that's what we were. So that's, that's all that matters.
0: That's been my do. philosophy my whole life. So we're going to get along, dudes. I mean, just what being wrong, mediocre dude? so that no one expects too much yeah. of you. They don't, you know, and you get by. I, I had that in my last job. I was like... Uh, I never wanted to post too many sales in a pay period because then people start, like, you get up the leaderboards and people start, like, realizing what you're doing. And they expect it from you, for one. And for two, they start looking at where you're prospecting your leads. And then you got to, like, really work hard to stay ahead of them. So I was like, I better not sell all these people because otherwise they're going to realize that I have good lead sources. By the way, dude on the right, anyone ever tell you you look like Marv from Home Alone?
1: Only every fucking day of my life since (laughs) the age of, like, (laughs) <laughs>
0: well then, there you go. I'm good at calls. So, uh, what other tips you got for us for the bugalo? I know, I know, you did an entire episode with it. You had some dude who, uh, um, I forgot. He was like in the uh, the Coast Guard, but yeah. then he turned out not to be a pussy. You would think Coast Guard total pussy, but then he turned out to yeah. have done some really cool shit. Uh, so, can you give us some quick tips?
2: Uh, get a fucking weapon that can cycle any ammo, that any shitty ammo. So, like we. <laughs> Dude, he's in. He's he's like in New York. He ain't getting shit. I know you. You're kind of fucked <laughs> up there, but um, you know, if you can get outside the city and you go, you go up, go up upstate, uh, you can you can find some boys up there, some good old boys up there that got some uh, cycle can cycle rounds that are pretty shitty rounds because in the blue man, you're not gonna be able to fucking like get high quality ammo. So you need right. some pretty fucking. You need some pretty janky guns that shoot a lot and can shoot a lot of really shitty ammo.
0: There you go. Now,
2: and I'm pretty sure we've endorsed the AK like yeah. constantly on our fucking show.
1: Because the
0: AK-47 as being the weapon of choice. Well,
1: that, that It's the theme because um in the Fighting Mongooses, which is the name of our unofficial not a militia, in the Mongooses... <laughs> Um, our fucking uniform or unofficial uniform is an Adidas tracksuit. You want to get an Adidas tracksuit, like and then, this. like go and like kind of super glue some steel plates in your garage for body armor, because we're all poor. We can't afford good body yeah, armor. Yeah, we can't afford that shit. So you know, just something that can take some shrapnel, you know, kinda like Velcro it to your body, you'll be all right. And uh then you can roll out with that. Um a crocs are optional. You can we we endorse boots, but if you, you know, go to fucking Go to your ice cream social
2: and a pair of combat Crocs. That's 100% okay. That's, nice. We call that girth energy. It's you gotta, fucking good. You got to flick them to combat mode, though, because if, if you have them, like, flipped up, you know, like, house mode, yeah. they're not going to work as well. You got to flip them down get that good traction. Uh, so they stay on your feet during yeah, the combat and it pops up. That Feels legit
0: that legit ankle support where you can be in both water and on dry yeah. land. I get it with comfortable feet. I don't want to be fighting the buggle with uncomfortable feet. Okay. So first I gotta get the uniform, which is uh um Crocs, the best food for combat. Uh a high end Adidas <laughs> tracksuit, and then just duct no, tape. No, no, no. Not yeah.
1: We're poor as fuck. You wanna go for like some Eastern Europe. European off-brand Adidas tracksuit. I got a couple links I can send you. They come in camouflage.
0: And then just and then just uh like slap trap met, I mean uh metal on it, whatever I can get my hands on. Basically. You yeah. know, yeah. I once had a friend
2: like
0: like- yeah. I once had a friend I couldn't tell if he was joking or not cuz he like we were out <laughs> what? You're laughing that I had a friend or that uh my friend <laughs> he, he had this idea he started collecting like the tops of um of soda cans like the top of my red bull he was collecting like the little the little you know the little pieces yes. on top right and i asked him cuz he was being like really ocd about making sure every time you threw away a can you could grab one and he goes well i'm collecting them and i'm building myself a chain link armor suit so that if my parents throw me out of the house and i'm homeless i'm ready to go so (laughs) i i still to this day don't know if that was serious because it was the middle of summer i don't think you'd survive that long in a chain link metal suit he did a lot of drugs he was a good friend of mine at the time um but (laughs) that might not be a bad idea that might not actually be a bad idea for cheap body armor is uh connecting a bunch of the tops with that I, i don't know with that like do decently or terrible idea. Uh,
1: Realistically, you'll stop pistol rounds. It's uh if you if you want to get good shit, just go out and get like some level four ceramic plates. <laughs> for real, real, if we wanna get to the serious, serious part of it.
0: Right. Now, I remember when uh when the Bundy Ranch thing was going down, what was very interesting about that was you had some what looked like really serious military personnel with some like pretty serious experience, like it almost seemed like the reason why they didn't want to go in is that they knew the credentials of the people there. They knew the sniper who was up in the thing, and they're like, "This is not going to go well." Uh, what's interesting about the concept of the bugle, and you guys would know this better. It's one of the, this might be kind of like a, a confirmation bias that because I'm in liber, like the libertarian camp, I keep kind of interacting with military people that are no longer like necessarily pro government. But it does kind of seem to me that the probably the biggest risk to the government is all of the military personnel that they trained that can kind of see through the bullshit and wouldn't, like, you know, if we were teaming up, would be more on team civilian and fuck the government. Um, I, I wonder, because you guys have interacted with more military personnel, you would know, but would you say there's a high percentage of people who have kind of done active duty service and now see through kind of what the apparatus is and are also well-trained? Like, I, I would love to take your approach to that. I know nothing about this other than the question I'm posing.
3: Uh, I mean, yeah, I would say, uh, after after a couple years of being out of the military, a lot of, at least a lot of my veteran friends, uh, they're not too keen on the military, and they at least they understand that the military is fucked up, but they I mean, they might not see through like party lines. Like a lot of people that join the military, like tend to be more conservative, just kind of how it is. Uh, but I mean, honestly, a couple years after you get out, a lot of people start thinking like, man, maybe this is wrong and like maybe why we're there is wrong and it's it's actually kind of weird it doesn't take very long for a lot of veterans to start figuring it out after being out of the military
2: yeah and then there's i mean just being on like we're we've started to try and get a lot bigger on twitter um it seems like it does well for our podcast so we've like really attacked twitter a whole bunch and uh i mean we found so many so many fucking vets that our first and foremost they're anti-war but then. Second off, third, like along my sphere, because I'm, I'm, like, I'm like the anarchist of the group. Uh, Typos pretty anarchist himself, but like a, a, lot of anarchist vets out there that are just like, yo, fuck the government, like we're done with this bullshit. And I think it goes, it says something, you know. You see it firsthand, day in and day out. And Jared says it all the time. He's like, living in the military is like living in the DMV seven days a week, and it's like fucking shit. It's garbage takes forever It the people are shitty to you you want to be shitty back but you really can't because you get sent back to the end of the line and you're just like fuck me this is fucking hell you got to play the game and so a lot of the guys you know like typo said a couple years removed it's like man fuck this this is bullshit and then i think we've done a lot for the veteran community that are like anarchists or libertarian in that in that sense but they're like oh shit we're not the only fucking ones out here thinking like this so Maybe, maybe I need to check out this or check out that. And we have a whole bunch of veteran podcasts that have popped up in the last year um, that are in like the libertarian sphere that are like really dope. And we're, we're hitting a big demographic. So it's kind of been needed. And I think that's why there hasn't been such an outpouring of vets in the libertarian community, because there wasn't really people that talk like us or fucking act like we do and, you know, are as crude and dark as we are, but they really wanted that and they finally saw it and they're like, Oh shit, maybe I can really start getting into this libertarian thing or anarchist thing. Yeah. Like cause we, uh, we flow our entire podcast, the way, the way we
1: talked about it before we started was there's this place near the barracks and every like Marine Corps barracks, it's called the smoke pit. And it's like your designated smoking area around the barracks. Has like, benches grills, So it's like where everybody is, where you usually wind up getting shit based on the right. weekends and everything. <clears throat> so we uh we said it's like we wanted we wanted our podcast to feel for the veteran community that feels a little bit like this we wanted them to feel like they just walked out on like a fucking sunday night at like two in the morning and fucking there's like six dudes still like drinking pulling from like a bottle of fucking whiskey just talking about fucking random shit you just walked into it because that's what we used to do yeah. you get shit-faced in, like the smoke pit and then, like, if you're one of the ones that are up by the end of the fucking night, you just wind up sitting around quietly talking about like politics and fucking life. And,
0: like, On that note, just- <laughs> I, I'm curious when you guys were in the military, so it sounds like there probably weren't too many, I guess, women amongst the ranks or. I guess we're, yeah. Cause what you're describing is such a dude hang and there is something to like, as much as chasing pussy is great, there is something to a fucking dude hang when there's no option for pussy. And so you're really just taking out that energy by bullshitting and getting fucking hammered late at night. But there is definitely just something magical about when you're like three months deep into no women around dude hang.
2: Yeah, dude. It was so like our other buddy, he lives with us too. And me and typo and him. We go like we all got out and we decided like I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. So we all decided that we're gonna get out and go to ASU, right? And you know, party capital, we're gonna fuck bitches, get money, you know. And uh that, that didn't work out too well because we just <laughs> we just go out to bars and we're like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get some women tonight. Like, you know, we got this fucking bachelor pad. Nobody's else is at our bachelor pad, it's just us. It's a nice little three bedroom house. Like, let's fucking go. And then we'd go out and halfway through the night we'd get drunk and it would just be every time we started out like first 10-15 minutes maybe an hour we'd be like all right let's let's try to get some girls and then right after that hour mark it's like yo I can't stand any of the people around me you guys want to go outside and talk and get drunk and then we just get plastered talk shit to all the girls that were trying to hit on us because we were three marine vets that just got out of the military at ASU So they're like, oh, these guys are hot, blah, 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 blah. Or these guys are at least in decent shape and don't talk like little incel bitches or beta ass males in ASU. So then they're like, oh, these guys are kind of cool. And we're like, why are you fucking here? Can't you see dudes are talking to each other? Like we got politics and shit
0: talking about like. Come on, man, get the fuck out of here! I'm trying to, conv-
1: I'm trying to convince my friend. why lizards run our fucking lives right now. Yeah. Shut the
0: fuck up. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing better than not getting laid by telling hot women, "Hey, we're trying to have a fucking dude hang right here. Do you mind?" That's my brand. What the fuck you ruining dude, basically- our shit for? It. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So I remember a couple of years ago, I don't remember her name, but there was this female comic. Um, and she said, I think she had done a tour in Iraq and she said it wasn't like she'd gone to the military cause she kind of believed in it. And within a couple of weeks of being there, she was just like, this is bullshit. I don't remember the specifics, but were there any, like, I, I guess things that you witnessed, uh, uh, like, that you were just like, oh, well, did you guys any, were you guys like any of you guys in Iraq and Afghanistan? I know you said you were in Japan. Oh, but you were in Iraq. So was there anything that you saw firsthand where you were just like, this is immoral. We shouldn't be doing this. Or I, I don't know. What what would you say your experience was on the ground?
1: My my first big like kind of slap to the face, like reality slap to the face was uh, we took one casualty, like one KIA, one kill. The one guy that got killed in our entire deployment got shot in the head. And uh, so we had a memorial service for him back on uh, Camp Leatherneck. And our fucking battalion commander, our lieutenant colonel, forgot his fucking name halfway through the speech. Like he came up to talking about him and fucking like he did that thing where he has his note cards and he's talking. And then he got to right where you know that he's about to try to say the dude's name. Pauses, looks down at his cards for a second, looks back up and then says the guy's name and I swear to God, you could just feel like the fucking blood pressure oh. rise like all like fucking dude. dude that rough. was like, it was like one of those mo- it was like the biggest moment where it was like, these motherfuckers really don't give a shit if we live or fucking die. Like, they straight don't fucking care.
0: Yeah, your pawns. Yeah. Your fucking pawns. My big one, yeah. The, the big the cl- one was,
2: uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 go for it. Go I for it, man. Know, my big one was uh, towards the end of my Marine Corps career. I was actually planning on re-enlisting and uh, I, w- I was re-enlisting to go on a deployment. And actually, I wasn't even going to re-enlist. I was going to extend, but they wouldn't let me extend. So I was honestly thinking about re-enlisting and to go on this deployment to Iraq. And, uh, you know, halfway through, I was like, man, I really don't trust this command. Like, they're kind of shady. They're kind of sketchy. Like, I don't know if I want to go to Iraq with these guys because I don't fucking trust the people that are higher than me. So then I was like, I, I decided to deny the orders. I was like, I'm not re-enlisting. I'm, I'm not going. Like, fuck it. I'm just going to get out, go to ASU. And uh, like, su- like our command was super because p- I was a sergeant at the time. And there I was the only one that was running the um, communication shop that we had. So like all of our radios, our secret Year crypto and shit like that. I was running all of that, and um, I decided that wasn't. And like literally, one of my junior Marines, the only junior Marine, he was he was one of the newest, and he had a wife with a kid on the way, and they sent him instead of sending any of the other guys that were like chomping at the bit. And he was retarded and sucked at his job, and they decided to send him instead of sending the more qualified better equipped and well-prepared Marines that could have gone that actually wanted to. And they did it just to like say, fuck you for not going. And I was like, damn, well, I'm glad I didn't fucking go. Fuck you guys. But I felt really bad for that. dude. Thankfully it all came out. All right. Like he came back and he was fine. He didn't take any fucking uh, like indirect fire. Or he didn't get any fucking scratches or anything like that. But fuck man, you just took this dude away from his, wife and soon to be kid for six months for no goddamn reason other than you're a piece of shit leadership.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that it's like, just not, it's, it's high stakes. You're playing with people's lives. Um, now, all right. My next question I have for you guys, I always like this line. It's a Marine line, um, of, uh, failure to prepare is preparing to fail. I always kind of, I heard that, I don't know where I heard it, but it kind of just stuck with me and I found that to be motivating. Are there any like things that you feel like you were taught in the military that have stuck with you that you're like, that was inspiring or like that was really like that insight to my life was really helpful or an experience that you had where you're like, man, that really changed me for the better. Like, were were there any kind of of, I guess, going through boot camp or being with the, the like, was there anything that you would say, hey, that was a really insightful piece of knowledge that the military gave me and I'm happy I got from that?
1: uh one one thing for me was kind of a, a, a like a phrase that i still use a lot actually it's a uh, no plan survives first contact with the enemy right but it's kind of it kind of means like you gotta improvise no matter how, hard you plan, no matter how hard you try to prepare yourself no matter how hard you try to set things to go in motion the way you want them once it comes into contact with an opposing force it's kind of like water around fucking rock it it can get diverted. It can get fucked up. There'll be things you didn't expect, things that you didn't prepare for, and you just
2: need to be—you need to be ready to be able to handle that. Yeah, one of my big ones was: uh, it's easy to be great at what you love. It takes a real man to be great at what you hate. And um, it was a uh, by a guy that actually was in Fallujah, and he was just like a motor t- mechanic, <laughs> and he actually ended up going in and was like part of like the really big push into Fallujah. And that just fucking stuck with me, man. Cause he was like, he's like, I joined because I wanted free college after the Marine Corps. And you know, that like that's kind of why he joined. He was like, I'm from a shitty family. I knew I wasn't going to go to college. I was smart enough to, but I didn't have the money for it. And I wasn't going to go into debt like that. So I fucking joined the military. And he, he said it in the context of like, you know, going out and killing people. He was like, it, I fucking hate that. And, but I'm good at it. And he's, he ended up, he stayed in, but uh, I kind of take that. Like, that's how I took it in the, in the Marine Corps. And then I kind of took it differently towards the end where it was more so like, you know, sometimes you got to go against the, the grain or it's like, you know, you can be great at like just getting by and like doing those things and not questioning it, but getting all that hate. And, like, doing the stuff that it's making your life shitty because you're doing it, but you know it's right. Like, being good at those things is way more important in my head.
0: How many people would you say are in the military? um, Before I, it sounded like a typo. Did you have something you wanted to add to that before I move on?
3: Yeah, I was just going to say, like, uh, honestly, like, the biggest thing I think I've learned when I was in the military was, like, well, I mean, put it in a phrase. It's expect the worst and hope for the best. That's something I always said, like, going through the military. And, man, there's some shitty, shitty times you go through in the military. And, like, it's hard to find, like, look for that silver lining. So if you're just expecting the worst thing possible to happen, so when that doesn't happen, you're like, well, at least that didn't happen. And that's, like, the honestly... I say that every
0: time I eat cheese. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now, how many people would you say you interacted with in the military that were there because they were poor and this was just their best option for getting out of you know, being raised poor, trying to get to like, is that a massive, like, is that a large percentage of who ends up in the Even army?
2: In the, Corps, that's the entire thing. That's the demographic that the Marine Corps is.
0: It's poor people.
2: And unless, unless you're an officer, like basically all the enlisted were kids from shitty backgrounds that were either poor or beat as children and or sexually abused for some goddamn reason and those are the people that grow up and go into the marine corps cuz you're a little fucking insane. You don't have a, all the screws there in your head, so you decide to go cuz you're like, "Well, it's the hardest one. It can't be that hard." And then you get there and you're like, "Well, boot camp's not that hard, but the rest of this is just fucking bullshit." <laughs> Dude, uh we used to uh,
1: we used, we used to make fun of people if their parents were still together. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Like if you were a
1: fucking we found out your mom and dad were like married, and they were actually together, like this fucking homo
2: over yeah, here. typo. we give him shit all the fucking time because loser. his parents are still together. He's like, I'm he's like, I'm sorry, I have a normal fucking family, you degenerates. <laughs> but
1: so it's, th- it's just true. Like one of the guys I deployed with too, his families were still. His family was like these fucking super Italian fucking Catholics from Chicago, and they were still together even though they hated each other too. And fuck it, we used to make fun of him for it all the time. I was like, I didn't beat my dad until I was 13, you fucking pussy.
0: Now, on that note of saying that there's a lot of people <laughs> who are abused, do you find that they have, like, a really dark, evil kind of – where, like, when the violence kind of gets started, there's, like, a comfort to them of that? Or I'm just kind of making something up?
2: Well, no, I feel like there's there's a, there's a few people that are like that. They're just fucking psychos. I mean – yeah. yeah um, but you know, you honestly, like you're with these guys all the time. So, you know, the fucking psychos, you know what I mean? Like dude, you, you're with these guys day in, day out for months on end. So you kind of know the psychos and there's those guys that, you know, they get off to shit like that, but the rest of them, it's just a lot of the guys where I was saying like the, you got beat as a child or whatever they were, you know, they're just the ones that are like, they're used to getting shit on. And they're like, well, I can take this, so they're just—it's just because you're used to it. So it's like this is no different than anything else I've lived through.
0: Right, so I've been abused really my whole life. So fuck you, you fucking Marines. You think I can't get through your yeah. bullshit? My dad used to beat yeah. me. You're nothing, fucking drill sergeant. I'll take it in the ass yeah. right now. You don't think I can handle it? Let's do it, Sarge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, actually, I'm <laughs> it's called the Beanie Green <laughs> Green because the Marine Corps just fucks you the entire time you're in it. Yeah. You know what I heard? I. I
0: I read this in a New York Times magazine article. This was the most crazy thing I ever read about. I don't think it was the Marines, but it was some sort of a special forces, and I think they trained in uh, in France. And the story was that they were trying to basically weed Muslims out of this elite unit because... They were afraid that I guess the Muslims wouldn't be loyal to like the American army and so they were particularly abusive towards the Muslims just to try and get them they couldn't formally quick qu- they couldn't kick them out so they were trying to be extra harsh on them so that they would quit out and the article claimed that they had like an industrial sized dryer that they would like put all the laundry in and they actually put like a dude in the industrial like sized dryer to fucking tumble around in the heat That's just fucking boot camp in the Marine Corps, man. No. Are you for real? Like that, like shit like that rough would kind of. I I wasn't there. You tell me.
3: I was in the Marine Corps. There was a, I don't know, it was a couple years after I was already in, but there was a drill instructor that did that. One of the recruits died. (laughs) He put him in the drive and died. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We Does that guy re- get fired, yeah. promoted? What happens after that?
2: He should be He probably got he got he probably got promoted at first, and then like Moms of America comes in, and they're like, "You can't kill our kids," and everybody else is like,
0: "Kids, whatever you want, <laughs> you want And They like push another recruit
2: down. Some shit.
0: I would be like, well, ma'am, he was wet and I was just trying to help him out. I figured instead of having him take off <laughs> his clothes, maybe I could just put him in the dryer. And how was I supposed to know that he would die sooner than his clothes would get dry? I can't know these things. What am I, some sort of dryer scientist?
1: <laughs> My drill instructor, fucking like four weeks into boot camp, we had a kid that stood like right across from me on the other line. And we were both like right out in front of the the, main, the drill called sharkers' house, and this fucking he was a he was a pussy. So like, <laughs> eventually, he, the other way to really get out of boot camp is to say that you're gonna kill yourself. That's that's pretty much it. Either that or try to run away. They might just catch you and then put you right back in boot camp because we've seen that happen too. But uh, so this kid said, "I'm gonna kill myself." And the sharker was like, "All right, yeah. How are you gonna fucking do that?" And he's like, "I'll choke myself." And he was like, "How? With what?" And he's like, my, "My my belt, like our fucking like riggers belt." And he was like, "All right, go ahead." And he, the fucking kid is like, "Sir, and he's like fucking do it." So the kid's fucking riggers belt, tied it around his neck, and just kind of like try to pull it up. And like I'm right in front of this, and the drill instructor looks at us, and he's like, "Hey, you see this 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 guy's trying to harm his life, right?" And we're like, "Uh." He's like, "No bullshit." He's harming himself. We're like, yes, sir. He's like, good. And he drop kicked the motherfucker in the chest.
0: Oh, and, like, no way.
1: The and then, like, grabbed the belt and then threw it and looked back at us because we're, like, right fucking there. And he was like, you saw me save his life, right? We're like, yes, oh. sir. He's like, all right, cool. They fucking kicked him out.
0: <laughs> that is fucking brutal. I mean, I almost respect Dude, that I- drill sergeant. He's like, wow. Yeah. That's Dude, pretty That's pretty well, intense. That's the thing man you start like dude we talk about it all the time boot camp is the funniest place you're not allowed to laugh dude, it's <laughs> <the funniest laughs> like, it's so, just because it's so funny that the, like the way they'll yell at people and like the things that they make you do like they make you do the stupidest they, they made it he said this one guy's name
2: was like um quaker or something like that and the drone instructor was like What's your name? And he's like, this recruit's name is Quaker. And he was like, Well, it looks like quack to me. You're gonna quack every time you talk to me. Dude had to literally quack. <laughs> and he was just like, you're like, you're there and you're just like, what do you fucking do with this? Like, what do, you, what do you want me to do here? Like, I don't. Like, I want to laugh, but you laugh, you go get fucked up for you know an hour or so, like doing we called it so intensive training you're just like getting fucked up because you laughed at this dude running around the barracks like quack 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 for fucking 30 minutes you're like what do you what do you expect bro you're making this 18 year old kid fucking quack like i don't know
1: (laughs) used to make pick up mattresses and just run around with them and shit and like um fucking like so uh, our drill instructors had one where it was uh crush the house so then we'd have to take all our fucking like bunk beds and we'd all fucking push them and like tip them over in the middle of the room make this giant pile of like all of our bunks and coffin lockers for no reason as we're getting yelled at and then he'd say fix the house and then count us down and try to see how fast we could put it all back together again
2: just like, like stupid but, shit
1: like i mean at the time you're like this fucking if you look back on it you just like remember like it's just funny like if you if you were not kind of getting fucked up you were watching it you'd laugh you're
0: right like, it's pretty <laughs> funny so I was listening to, uh, your podcast on, uh, the Afghanistan papers and I gotta be honest for a person. I, I, I follow the news cause mostly cause I, I'm doing part of the problem and if I fall behind, I just look like an asshole. So basically I probably, I probably spend at least an hour a day just trying to read all the head. Like I, I, I just try and stay current on the weekends. I read a little more. I'm like, I've fallen behind on the libertarian literature cause I'm a little bit more just trying to follow current events, but like. I would say average day I read about for an hour to just read through all the news sources I can. Sometimes I'm doing two hours, but like I keep pretty current and I gotta be honest, I totally overlooked the Afghanistan papers. I think I saw a headline and I think the reason why I overlooked it was because um at the same time I think they also put out a torture report about all the torturing stuff that was going on in uh in Gitmo with the CIA, which by the way, I. Uh, they did a really great movie about that, which is on on Amazon. Um, but for whatever reason, I'm just telling you, I, I maybe it was a week I drank more than I usually do. I really did not follow the Afghan—like, I I didn't even really—I I don't even really remember seeing the headlines on this. I don't know how I missed it. Maybe it was underreported in where I—but, like, I was listening to your—I was like, shit, and then I kind of went today and kind of redid my homework, but— I, it basically to give the summary it is a tell all that really early on in the Afghanistan war they realized that there was it was unwinnable there was no reason to be there even the higher ups kind of saw the bigger picture that Osama bin Laden was just trying to get us to wait resources and it's like an entire document that's just a tell all of like we're lying to the American people we're cherry picking statistics we're trying to get support for the war and then also they actually did have the cost that it was a multi trillion dollar war um, I don't think this was in the papers but at like civilian deaths I think or at like 325,000, but that doesn't even include, those are like direct deaths. Those aren't like deaths from like starvation or other causes that were indirect, which is, um, I mean, if you look at just the numbers of, they killed what, 2000 civilians on 9-11 and then we killed 325 and we pretend like we're morally superior. Uh, but you guys did a full episode on it, which kind of tuned me in. So, um, you know, educate us a little bit.
2: Yeah, well, I think I think the biggest thing I took from that was the Rumsfeld documents. Like he literally showed his ass the entire time in those things. Like he has reports in 2004, he's sending out memos like I don't understand who the um who the enemy is in Afghanistan or there was another one where he's like I don't know who the enemy is in Iraq. But at the same time you see him on TV at the, like during those same moments, like around the same dates. And he's like, we need to be there. The terrorists are killing our people, blah, 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 blah. We're making progress. Yeah. And then, and consistently throughout the entire, like, cause those documents range from like, I think it was like the earliest I saw was 2002. And I think the latest I saw was like 2012, 2011, something around there. And I mean, there's like 600 documents on that thing. So I haven't gone through like all of it. I probably haven't even gone through a, like a quarter of it, but, uh, uh, like just at the same time, they're all consistently and constantly saying we're making progress in Iraq or we're making progress in Afghanistan. And it was like, you guys literally like all these, and then you're doing these interviews at the same time with this special investigation general that is asking them what's going on. And they're just saying, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing at all. We don't even know why we're doing it. And that it just fucking killed me reading like some well, of the a- that I did. I was
0: It's amazing that from there, I mean, okay, I'm a libertarian and I've read enough to kind of see the patterns and go, hey, government's not doing us any favors. They're trying to sell us on the fact that they're helping us out and they're just salespeople. They're trying to like, you know, they they just want resources and power. That's it. But when this kind of thing comes out, it's shocking that firstly, the news doesn't kind of this isn't the primary thing that they cover. And then they continue to pretend like when, you know, they make these claims of the intelligence community for safety. It's like, no, they blatantly lied to us. And we should be having a serious conversation about restructuring government because look at the toll this war. And it is blatant like evidence here that we were lied to. What are we doing to prevent this moving forward? And like the the fact that that is not the national conversation after this came out is um well it's not just appalling it just kind of shows like I, I I what what's the chance of like what needs to come out for people to kind of open up their eyes or for the media to actually like how does something this blatantly obvious just kind of get brushed away it's insanity
2: absolutely man it's one I think it it just leads right into what's going on with iran right now i honestly because it's the same things like we're we're repeating the same steps over and over again i mean we've been in iran or we've been in and around iran and i well we've definitely been in iraq since like 1953 like we've been doing all these things for so long and it's just repetitive steps repetitive steps repetitive steps and we're acting like it doesn't change and that's the definition of insanity expecting a different outcome by doing the same process over and over again
0: do you and, guys, uh, and, do you know how the Afghanistan papers leaked? I didn't quite catch that story of what it happened That uh,
2: was a
1: government agency that was collecting information on the failures in Af- Iraq and Afghanistan. So they conducted series of fucking, com- what they said at the time, really confidential interviews, basically telling these military commun- commanders to be, like, really frank and, um, to, like, really say, like, what the issues were and, like, why we weren't. And then it also collected all those memos and shit. That's why they're getting memos. Like, we don't know who we're fighting. Um, all this money that we're sending to fucking Afghanistan, straight in the fucking Taliban. Um, thing in nature. So basically, the
2: whole the whole premise of it was so that they don't do the same thing again. Yeah, but the uh, how it got leaked was a Washington Post reporter. I don't remember his name off the top of my head. But he he caught, I think he caught a memo or something like that. One of Rumsfeld's memos. And that's how he he found out about it. And then they did a whole bunch of uh, FOIA requests to try to get them. And they like the Washington Post, I guess, has been like in three different lawsuits trying to get these these uh, this information. Um, and they've won three of them. And I think there's a fourth one that's going on currently. And they just decided this this uh, re- reporter decided to release it he was like fuck it but the thing is like all right so the washington post did and it what they did is amazing and it's like, extensive and they released a 17 minute video like explaining like a, giving a general description of it but honestly i haven't seen like i subscribe to them now just so i could get the um afghanistan papers anytime i want to but uh they like i haven't seen anything on their top news stories or anything since they dropped it Like it's been swept under the rug so badly, even by the people that released it.
0: So let's go with just the, uh, the cliff notes of the most flagrant things that I guess you guys came across and I'll recap some of the ones we mentioned. Uh, First one is Donald Rumsfeld behind closed doors going, Hey, I don't know what the hell we're doing here. While also at the same time being on the news, selling, selling the war. And then also money basically going directly um, to the country. And I think some of it, like you were describing, it went to the Taliban. Others was paid basically to warlords so that they wouldn't side with the Taliban. Um, what else can you guys highlight, you know, from us from the report? Cause y- you've read more of it than I have.
1: I mean, the biggest, honestly, the biggest thing that hit me was especially getting into conversations with a lot of the other libertarian veterans that started coming out in the last year or so, and a lot of these guys were in Iraq in fucking, like, 07, 08, and know a lot of guys in 03 and 04. <clears throat> and we talk about, like, kind of the shit we did. And the whole time that they're, the door is talking about how they don't know who the enemy is, they don't really have a real fucking mission, on our side, in the military, they're still pushing us on fucking combat patrols. And we used to do them um, in Iraq. I think they used to call them presence patrols um for us they call them disruption missions and literally it's what i tell people i did in afghanistan it's like they would just throw us out into an area and you walk around and he shoots at you that's an enemy that's that's what you do there's no it's just uh, literally our shit was like oh we haven't had guys here in like five years so we're just gonna land and then like they'll latch on to any kind of bit of intelligence that may or may not point to anything like my first i thought, talked about it before on the show in earlier episodes, but my very first combat mission, fucking, they, like, talked it up. Like, we're about to go raid, like, a bunch of, uh, like, drugs and weapons. And what they picked up on their fucking, like, satellite imagery and their, like, uh, drone drone intel had turned out to actually just be shit pits. So we fucking moved Literally into this pits town. of
0: shit? Did you guys, like, parachute yeah. and land yeah. in them? Because that's fucking gross. No, no, no.
1: <laughs> I was a part of the, the helicopter, the, the helicopter, like, raid force. So we landed by CH-53s, and then we had a, a couple truck platoons that fucking came up to, like, provide it's called Outer Cordon. So they're, like, five miles out and, like, a kind of a perimeter secure in the area. And then we pushed patrols through the village, made everybody come out. Did like all these fucking uh, data collection on everybody, getting their fingerprints, retinas, everything oh like my
0: that. God, hilarious.
1: Monitoring um, their nets. Like we did. The best part is we were supposed to get a resupply of water by like noon, and the motherfuckers didn't show up till about like six at night, and we ran out of water at around like one. So we had like three, four guys that started fucking like stroke and out and shit. And our lieutenant was still trying to push um, like uh, push security patrols as dudes are just like fucking dropping or shit because it's like the middle of fucking summer in Helmand province. So it's like 125 fucking degrees outside and we're like, we're fucking 90 pounds of shit.
2: I mean, but there's a mission and we're making progress. (laughs) Yeah. That's
1: it. That's the biggest takeaway is it just kind of finally connected all these dots where it's just like you motherfuckers just threw us out there. Fucking with absolute, there's, you had no mission. You have no end game doing it to do it. You're doing it so you can take some fucking pictures, put it on a fucking magazine somewhere, and tell everybody that we're making
2: progress. Yeah. There's nothing
0: there's funnier. One, the
2: other one that I saw. Yeah.
0: I was just gonna say, there's nothing funnier to me than the thought of like Marines storming a castle, thinking like they're busting a terrorist, and there's literally shit pits. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I the castle, too. Was really one of uh, it was uh, the
2: town <laughs> fucking dragons, bro. There's fucking <laughs> dragons.
1: It was the town of, uh, yeah, it was Shapushta. Push Afghanistan, and Province. We uh had a big fucking like old asshole. We got to raid it. It was fun. Was there shit right.
2: fits in it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they,
0: they Luke, I uh, I, I cut you off, Luke. You said you had a good tale for us.
2: Um, the other part of the uh the Afghan papers that um really struck me was um they I I think it was. It was the, uh, the war czar. I can't fucking remember his name, but his title was the war czar. And he, I don't know. That's not like the, the perfect or the actual title, but that's kind of what they uh, – He was in him. charge, yeah. He was in charge of major shit. But he was talking about uh, how he was like – There's literally an interview of him saying, and I think there's audio for that one, where he's like, you know, we can throw just tons of money at this, but what's really the point? Like, we don't even know what we're doing here. But, you know, the United States, we we can do it. We can throw money in a hole and burn it. But why, why are we? And then that was, like, that was his quote. That was, like, one of his big quotes. And it was just insane to me. And then the other one that was big to me was um, they – I remember before I joined, like, 2000 – probably, like, 2009, 2010, because um, I joined in 2012. But they were talking about – How there's like a whole bunch of uh, refugees moving in and in and out of Iraq and Afghanistan and how we couldn't tell if they were terrorists or this, that or the other. And then you you go into the reports and there's a I think you can like in the filter search, you can find it. But there's like whole reports about how they actually have like zero numbers on the amount of people that are moving. Because how can you there's not like a fence around their border. There's not like a giant security team around these Country's borders—they—they're not like the United States or, or Canada or anything else like that, you know. So they have no idea what the numbers are. But they're—I remember getting pushed very heavily that we we have, you know, these militia groups that are moving in and out and coming this way and that way, and they actually had no numbers and they were making it seem like it was this giant problem when actually they don't even know if it was a problem or if it wasn't a problem. I mean, we used to make the joke all the time that fucking
1: we were shooting at Pakistani college kids because yeah. we knew there was Pakistanis and shit and militias. that was, They just moved across the border in Afghanistan and Pakistan like seamlessly just back and forth. And So it's, it's kind of something we did when we were like pissed drunk at like 2 30 in the morning and like somebody was like so did you like uh shoot at anybody overseas and me and my old roommate be like yeah you know a couple of Pakistani college kids nothing important <laughs> and just like put it in that fucking framework for like <laughs> Everest.
0: yeah <laughs> yeah sure yeah yeah yeah. yeah yeah i mean they were brown <laughs> they were from another country they were studying information yeah. i mean anyone in college out in <laughs> pakistan they're clearly going to use that information against us all right so before i let you guys go i know you're marines you got expertise you like growing out and the uh, biggest news story of today was about Mexit and how megan merkel has uh pulled uh Prince. Well, I don't know. I don't even know which Prince he is away from the royal family and that they're leaving. They're going to be financially solvent. Of course, the gay one of your group knows what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Typo. Uh, so what, what's your opinion yeah. about <laughs> what is,
2: <laughs> you know, you already picked, it up, dude. You picked up on that quick.
1: dude. He's like
2: the fucking brunt of everybody's joke constantly. So you just, you just like, <laughs> make fun of him and it's like Oh, he knows. He gets us. <laughs> You. You're a mom.
0: You're
2: it. I got Keep you, buddy.
0: You. Uh, so what do you guys think about this tragedy? That you know, after all these years in the royal family, this American lady just joins and uh convinces him to leave.
3: Uh, yeah, dude. I didn't. I don't know. I saw that on Twitter, and I was my first thought was like, I don't get a shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think that's, dude. I think that's just pussy at its best at every level. You can yeah. fall in love with some chick. You could have been with anybody, and for some reason yeah. they need all of your attention that they're going to blow up your whole spot. And then she's probably going to end up breaking up with him anyways for being a bitch and leaving. Like th- there's yeah. some not not that every lady's like this, but some la- like th- that's their thrill is kind of does this guy love me enough that I can ruin his life. Like, does he love me that you know what I mean? It's not like just being married. Like they gotta they gotta push it to the extreme. Like, does he really love me? Like, let's see what he'll sacrifice. And then when, when he does sacrifice all that, they go, Oh, you're a fucking bitch. I gotta go find myself a real man, you know? And that's when uh they we'll pick give up- the,
1: they give up the butt, they turn you into an alcoholic. And then they leave you. That's how it works.
0: That's how it works. Okay. Before we call an episode, I kind of boxed Harrington out. You know, I didn't let him defend himself at all in my accusations about uh, his lack of survival skills. And I feel like he might have had, you know, some comments along the way. I just, you had your back to me. So I really boxed you out. So before I let the the glorious Marines leave us, I want to give you the floor here for a sec. I just want to point out that I survived the weekend. That is true. There you go. And you enjoyed the DMT. Dude, that, so that is a fun. challenge. Also, are you gonna are, are you gonna be giving us the audio to uh, to put at the end of an episode at some point, or it's not coherent? I mean, I'll let you listen to it after this. No, it's up to you. If you want to throw it out there, we can we yeah. can post roll it kind of at the end and go. Here's uh, Harrington's magical journeys, but if it's incoherent gibberish, then you know we so, don't. Like- as a very, like, you know, like it's it feels very masturbatory because it is a lot of silly rambling by me. Um, and like a lot of
1: other people in the room, like, it's the, the front part is me explaining it like a coherent human being who knows what
0: he's doing, and the back half is like, I left this plane of existence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe we could throw it out there. All right, before I let you guys leave, firstly, thank you so much for coming on. This was an absolute ba- blast. Um, the podcast is called "Biting the Bullet" podcast. You just recently had. I saw you had the Fadcast guys on. Um, I like those dudes. Actually, you just had one of them on. Uh, you had uh your prep for the bugaloo. You guys went through the Afghan papers. You also did a really fun breakdown with uh, uh the bullshit from war movies. Canteens they got fucking rotten in there. Uh, you did it on Saving Private Ryan. But uh, go ahead. You tell us what do you guys want to plug.
2: Uh, yeah, you can uh, find our Instagram at Biting the Bullet Pod on Instagram, and you can find our Twitter at Biting the Bullet Podcast, and uh, that's where we're pretty active on. You can find our podcast on any major uh, podcatcher, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, all those platforms. Uh, we also just opened up our Patreon, which gets you into our Discord because we do live shows now. Um, you'll hear a lot more of those movie reviews and stuff like that. Jared runs our Discord typo runs our facebook page which is also biting the bullet podcast and uh you can find me at keep it real luke on twitter i post some dope shit on there it's uh and i was like very much uh i do a lot of the live updates like when iran was bombing and all that stuff i was fucking right on there thanks to antiwar.com and scott horton like they're fucking awesome over there but um that's me jared uh yeah um i run the discord and then uh, you can find me on
1: Twitter as well. My personal account is at uh, the mongoose Uh I just I argue with fucking no profile picture avatars with less than thirty
3: followers about capitalism versus socialism, and I do it fast. So it's good use. <laughs> and you can find me at TheRealTypo the real typo on Twitter, and I post stuff sometimes too. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> our podcast page actually has more
1: followers than typos, so we need to show typos some love. <laughs> Somebody needs to. <laughs> all
0: right. Guys, seriously, this was a ton of fun. I appreciate all the insights, and uh, keep in touch. We'll do it again.
2: Yeah, definitely, man. Thanks for having us on.
0: All right. Later, dude. Seriously, this was fun. Thanks, guys.
2: Yep, later. Thanks man. for having
0: us on. Cheers.